Welcome to the Life Giver Marriage Podcast, a place for honest conversation and hope for your military or first responder marriage. This is your host, Corey Weathers, and I'm honored to share this journey with you. Hi, this is Dr. John Townsend, and you're listening to Life Giver. Hi, this is Taya Kyle, and you're listening to Life Giver. Hi, I'm Shasta Nelson, founder of GirlfriendCircles.com, and you are listening to Life Giver. Welcome to another episode of the Life Giver Podcast. This is Corey Weathers, and I'm happy to introduce today Katie Christie from Activate Your Talent. Katie is a good friend of mine, and she's another military spouse out at Bragg, Fort Bragg, North Carolina. And I wanted to do an episode on Strength Finder and building your strengths and, and what it means to really know what your strengths are compared to your weaknesses. And I knew that the perfect person to have on the podcast to talk about this would be Katie Christie. So Katie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's so much fun. Anytime you say strengths and nerding out, you know I'm all over that. So. I know. And we. I think we could really nerd out together. And I can't believe I've not done an episode yet on the importance of strengths. Mm -hmm. And so I really wanted today to talk with you about what does it mean to understand what your strengths are and live in your strengths and what the difference, like the difference it can make in your life. And I know that's something that you and I both get very excited about. <laughs> So um, to start off, um, why don't you talk a little bit about your strengths journey and how you found the Strength Finder and what you do with it now? Oh, definitely. So I was working as a research administrative assistant at a leadership center in West Point. So it was honestly, I found the job in the classified section of the local newspaper at the laundromat at the hotel. Like it was <laughs> a very interesting place how I ended up there, but you know, it was a great role where they allowed me to really grow and develop with them and learn from the center. And so it came time to do our offsite and they asked me to, to lead the leadership session, which was, you know, just a wee bit intimidating uh, to work with people who are leadership professionals. And now I was in charge of it. So um, they suggested the Strengths Finder, and I really just kind of dove into it and fell in love with the assessment. Um, I love the positive psychology and the positive focus of it. And then I just really saw how it took our team from what I thought was a really good team and took us up a whole nother level where we were functioning, we were communicating, we were executing on this whole new level just by focusing on the things that we we're good at and enjoy doing. It was one of those strange win-win situations. And when I came across it, I just was totally hooked. And so when it was time for us to PCS again, which most people completely understand, you kind of have to reinvent yourself. You know, I decided to take the leap of faith and become certified so that I could help both individuals and organizations harness and leverage you know, their natural talents to be more effective and efficient. So ever since then, I've been kind of on that journey working with whoever I can to help them just lead a better life and more happy, more fulfilled, and just more effective in what they're already wanting to do. So that I, it so much mirrors my own experience of it. And I think what's different about the two of us and how we use the assessment is that you're doing a lot with individuals and businesses, which mm -hmm. is really where Gallup thrives in and how it started originally. And I'm doing more so with couples. 
And so I thought it's just a really interesting discussion on how the power, I think, of the strength finder assessment and how it can be used in almost every relationship and almost every setting in like what you said, which is a very positive way. Mm-hmm. And I felt the same way about it. In fact, I, there's a lot of assessments that I can do with people. There's, you know, there's the Enneagram and then there's the Myers-Briggs. And then there's that one where it's like, I'm a golden retriever, you're a lion, which I never know what to do with other than the fact that I'm really intimidated that this lion's going to attack me now and that we're very different. And I don't know what to do with the fact that I'm very different from you. Mm-hmm. And so many assessments, you know, you print them off and you're like, gee, isn't that nice? Like, okay, I kind of understand myself a little bit. And then what do I do with that? I just kind of put it aside and never really look at it again. And to me, the strength finder like, is just so positive. And it's like injecting this big dose of hope into your life um, and really seeing yourself finally for who you really are and then loving that. And that's what I fell in love with. Exactly. No, and you said it so well. And that's where even when I do this with businesses, which is where the majority of my time is, I always start with that like first understanding, loving and leading yourself. Um, because a lot of times we're so good at telling ourselves what we're not good at, what we failed at in the past or how we can be better, right? Like we're, we're our own hardest taskmaster. So it is so important for especially executives to take a step back and say like, wait, no, like, what do I really like to do? What was I good at doing when I was a kid? You know, and take that step back so that they can infuse some of that natural energy and talent into what they're doing. Um, before they can even interact with other people. I mean, that's just <laughs> the first yeah. step. So I love what you're saying there is that you, you're kind of taking it to the next level where after they've learned and discovered about themselves, then they can apply it to those that they love and interact with on a daily basis. Yeah. And so let's talk a little bit and catch everybody else up on what is this strength finder thing, right? And so that we're both so passionate about. I often have to tell people, I'm not trying to sell you anything. I just genuinely (laughs) am this excited about it. And I've been doing it for probably seven years now, maybe eight, but I mean, for, for something to hold my attention for that long, it says (laughs) something. So, um, let's talk a little bit about, um, the strength finder and what it is and where it came from. So do you want to start? Yeah, sure. So, you know, it was developed by the Gallup organization. So when you think Gallup, you think polls. And so that's exactly it. Um, So they took over 30 years of all their research of the semi-personal interviews, and they really found that talent lied within one of 34 different talent themes or domains. Um, And so they developed 144 questionnaire um, online that you take, and then your scores kind of go into proprietary formula, and it comes back with your top five um, strengths with the basic version. And just really identifies, you know, those areas that you're naturally talented in. And so then it's their hope that you then work with a coach or, you know, even on yourself to understand how to then apply those strengths. So it's just all based on where your natural talents lie. um, And kind of in that the whole assessment hinges on this equation that your talents times investment, which can be time, resources, money, any of those things equals strength. So, you know, in our process, strength, you know, isn't deadlifts or push-ups, even though that's what we think of, or even like a mental endurance. Like, I feel like when we talk about military spouses and strength, they have this amazing grit and determination. Um, those are all great definitions of strength, but what you and I are talking about is that ability to provide near-perfect performance on a consistent basis. 
So one of the things that I think about when I tell the story is I think about how Donald Clifton, who joined with Gallup to make this assessment, he was a psychologist or a counselor, and he found himself really frustrated by the fact that when he was doing counseling, people were coming in for weakness fixing and that people just, I'm, I'm not strong enough at this or that, or my boss wants me to be better at that, or my wife says that I'm unorganized or, or whatever. And that he found himself just as frustrated as his clients that no matter how much they worked on those weaknesses, they really didn't get that much better. And so him and Gallup teaming up together to say, what would it look like if we actually focus on what we do really right instead of doing what we don't do well? And so for me, I think it was this idea of, man, like there's, like you said, we, we grew up doing some things really well. And I think sometimes we're told in our life um, by other people that we're not good at something. And sometimes we find out in the strength finder that we actually are good at it. It's just the other person couldn't see that because they're good at something else. And so this idea of, oh, the other thing I was going to say is, you know, when we talk about talents, I think we typically think of like how well we play the guitar, right? (laughs) Or how well we swim or whether we can swim or not. And so I think of, I usually give the metaphor of Michael Phelps, right? Michael Phelps is an Olympic swimmer. And we would typically say he's a talented swimmer, but his talent, according to Gallup, wouldn't necessarily be how well he is at swimming. That's a skill he learned over time. And so Gallup with this assessment is really measuring what is it about Michael Phelps that makes him a good swimmer? Like what, is it his competitive drive? Is it the fact that he's got incredible discipline? Is it that, what is that driving motivation that makes him want to go every day to swim and get better at it? That's what Gallup would say is a talent. And then like you're saying, what do we have to do to get those talents that we are good at naturally into a strength performing that at a near perfect level every time? And so this journey that you have to go on, and I often tell people, just because you're talented at something, according to the strength finder, Mm -hmm. just because you're talented at something doesn't mean you're using it well. Exactly. Well, I think along those lines is that we all have these natural talents. And when we're kind of feeling those periods of disconnect or discontentment or even stagnation, I always have people go back and clock their strengths. And, you know, they see where they may be utilizing four out of their five strengths or two out of their five strengths. Um, But there's this like a whole part of them that isn't being able to being expressed whether that be personal or professional. Um, And that's when we usually are able to click through that, you know, period of stagnation or whatnot, because a whole part of them is missing. So if you think about it, you know, if you show up to the race and you're missing a leg, then of course you're not going to run your best race, you know? So you have to have all those cylinders firing at once. And so I love what you said about that, that we have these talents, but if we're not using them and developing them, then they're not serving us and they're actually hindering us because we're not a full expression of who we were made to be. And you know, what's exciting is that once they realize that there's this part of them that they're really good at something and that they really enjoy it, like (laughs) the amount of joy that comes from that is so exciting. And maybe that's one of the reasons why you and I get so excited to work with people is that we really get to see people light up with a new sense of purpose and joy when they discover Mm -hmm what they're good at, or maybe that they always knew what they were good at. They just didn't realize that that's something to tap into. So I have a question for you. Um, Because you are a military spouse and because you work with individuals and businesses, what have you seen? um, What's the connection to like the sense of purpose in a person's life and discovering their strengths? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. So I'll take it where I think I think you mean, but if it's a different yeah. area. I, just... I totally butchered the question, so go for it. <laughs> no, 
so I think, you know, and I can speak from my own personal experiences. I've always been professionally minded, right? Like I've always wanted to find that next thing and express myself that way. And I feel like that sometimes get, gets misconstrued because in this crazy life, it's hard for us to maintain a professional career or a professional path. Um, I don't think that's right for everyone, but I do think everyone has a purpose-driven path that they need to be on, whether that's expressed personally or professionally or both. Um, and that path, I feel like, is more complicated in the military um, mm -hmm. because our path has to be interwoven with our spouse's path. And sometimes they align beautifully and you come to a duty station and you find that group, some group of moms that you totally connect with and, you know, the right PWOC and you just are on that path and it feels great. And then other times you get to another duty station where you don't find a job and you don't find those friends and you're just feeling that lack. And I think one of the reasons behind that is that you haven't utilize those strengths and you're not acting in your purpose, you know? So purpose and talent and strengths to me are, are all deviations of each other, but are all so interrelated that you can't separate them. Um, I can get the world's best job, but if it's not activating my strengths, it's not part of my purpose so that you can't have one without the other. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah. And I think, have you found that those who didn't know what their strengths are? So before they took the strength finder, mm -hmm. do you feel like once they did that they had a renewed sense of purpose, that they had a better understanding of what they're built to do. Oh, for sure. And I think it's two pronged on that, you know, and, and one, a lot of times when people took the assessment, they finally had words to describe what they were good at so they could share with others. Because a lot of times we just naturally, you know, like I can bang out a to-do list in like 10 minutes. I thought everyone could do that. I can't do that. <laughs> exactly. At all. So, it's just one of those things that, I just assumed that because I was good at and enjoyed doing it that everyone else did. But it wasn't until I took the assessment and learned that language and learned that's one of my unique strengths that I was able to consciously use it, but then also put words around describing it to other people instead of, you know, just saying, I like to make to-do lists. I can, you know, speak a little bit more eloquently about my achiever and how every day starts at zero and how, you know, that's important to me. And when I share those things, then, you know, other people find ways to utilize those strengths as well. So I think it's one of those great like self-looking ice cream cones that when you learn more about yourself and you're able to share it in a humble and authentic way, then people will be able to utilize those talents. So you feel good and they feel good. So it's just one of those really nice cycles that once you're able to put words to a specific action or feeling. I couldn't agree with you more. And I think it's one of the things that so many military spouses and first responder spouses too struggle with because we tend to go through these seasons of um, young children and you, you know, they're dependent on you for survival. I know that you're also in that season <laughs> as well. You know, and so you have um, so much that's asked of you on a daily basis. And so, so many of our first responder and military spouses really struggle with at the end of the day, yes, I kept my children alive and there was great joy in that, but there's something else that I feel like I, I want to do or that I'm good at or isn't getting attention. And being able to, like you said, put words to that and be able to formulate, that's so important because I see so many couples where, you know, perhaps the serving spouse is like, well, I don't understand what else do you want to do? And then that, that spouse is, I don't know. I don't know what else I want to do, but, but I want to do something. And so then there's like this, this conflict that happens of, I don't, it's not that they're not content in being a mother or staying at home or maybe even in the current job that they're in, but there's something built inside them that hasn't been tapped into. And the strength finder gives words for that. 
Exactly. And on that same line, you know, I always like to bring out when I'm speaking with military or first responder spouses, you know, we live in a culture where selfless service is ingrained in us. And that's a fantastic thing. But it's also really hard to get those same members to then talk about their things they're good at, you know, mm. because it's, it's sometimes stigmatized as that you're being boastful or arrogant when you talk about, you know, what you're good at and kind of owning that. And so I feel like this strengths finder does a good way of putting those humble, authentic words in there. Um, so you can really resonate with them, but you can say those things. And I have to say that is like the number one thing I work with people on is like having the emotional inertia to stand up and say, this is something I'm good at. Yes. I like doing, and I'm not sorry about it. I'm not making excuses about it. I'm not going to apologize. This is who I am. And it's, it's hard because you don't want to, again, you don't want to be prideful or boastful, but you have to share your gifts with the world or you're not going to be utilized. <laughs> I love this. And this is where I totally nerd out and get really excited because it is that transformative moment for me of when I see somebody write exactly what you're talking about, where they have this moment of realizing the difference between pride and confidence. Mm -hmm. Pride is thinking too much of yourself and saying that you're the best one in the room. And Strength Finder doesn't teach you that. Strength Finder actually tells us that we need each other, that we're each good at something and that we're better when we actually complement with other people that are different from us. Whereas confidence is being able to know and articulate what it is that you love to do and why you're good at it and how to be able to announce that in a room and be confident of that. And that that's not prideful. That's not thinking too highly of yourself to say, here's what I'm good at. Here's what I love to do. If there's a place for me at the table, I'd love to sit there. Oh, exactly. And this kind of, you know, for me naturally segues into like my marriage and how we use it because my husband is completely complimentary strengths to me. We don't share any strengths. And so it's one of those things that when we're working well, it's fantastic because we're this powerful partnership where we can, you know, he has all these big thinking, strategic thinking themes, loves research and analyzation, and I'm all action and like, go, go, go. And so when we're on the same path, you can imagine what we can accomplish together. But when that path gets off a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. it can be really frustrating because I just want to go. He just wants to learn more. And it's like, what? Yes. So, what do you guys do? What do you do then? Yeah, it's hard, you know, because we have to sit back and we have to be in a place where we're recognizing, are we using our strengths? And am I utilizing the other person's strengths? Mm -hmm. um, because you can't always die to yourself. I guess if that makes sense, like I can't always come down and say, oh, well, Josh is a learner. So he really needs to take his time on this. Right. And, but I have to, at the same time, honor his strengths, but then understand that, I need to feel some sort of action or I'm going to always feel like I'm spinning my wheels. So, you know, we try to divvy up tasks based on our strengths. So like we're looking for a new car. So I send him out on a research task for like a couple weeks before I know I need to do anything. Right. And then he comes back with all this great information, but I've already known, you know, this is the steps we're going to take when that information comes back. So it's, you know, just a delegate task because otherwise, you know, we're, we're going back and forth. And I know you see this more than that, but when you were mentioning that, I couldn't just help but share that you have to be able to talk about yourself and your strengths. Even in a marriage, 
Yeah. And so it's, I love, I tell people often that using the strength finder in a marriage is like learning this new marriage dance Mm -hmm. where um, you are a team together. I think the reason why I love doing it in marriage is that to me, the marriage is the strongest team on the planet. That if you can be solid in your marriage and in your home, you can go out and do any job. But if you're not coming home to a place where you feel like you're on the same team together, then that's really hard to go out and do any job. And so learning how to be on the same team together and utilize each other's strengths, that one isn't always right. Mm -hmm. But there is this dance like you described where he's good at this and you're not as good at that. So you're going to ask him to do that. And he comes home fulfilled and excited because he got to do the thing that he loves to do by collecting that information and doing all the research. And then he hands that over to you to do the thing that he doesn't really want to do right? Is to actually execute those things and kind of figure out the to-do list and execute that. And so um, I feel like we probably, we get so excited. We should probably pause here and we should probably say, let's go back and actually give a little bit more information about what it actually does. <laughs> we're pretty good. I know. I'm sorry. And then we're, no, no, no. Cause that's where I want to go to. Activator. So. <laughs> right. I know. Right. And so, and I'm, I'm a developer. And so I love to like get so excited about the potential of where this conversation is going that I lose track. And so just for those who are listening, who are just happen to be just dropping in on this exciting conversation that Katie and I are doing, I'll stop and pause for a second, which is why I wanted to bring her on the podcast. Um, Cause so many of you have, have not experienced the joy of this assessment really. So, um, so basically what you do is you go, you can go actually to gallopstrengthcenter.com and you can purchase, um, there's a couple ways that you can do this. You can purchase a code um, to get your top five. Like Katie was saying, there's too many talents to measure in the world. And so Gallup actually groups them into 34 themes, like Katie said. Um, and then your results are actually ranked one to 34, but you usually purchase just your top five. So obviously one would be your strongest talent, 34 would be your weakest. But because of what we were saying in the beginning, most people want to go to the bottom and see what they're not good at and work on those. And so we recommend that you get just your top five first and really hone those top five. Um, so you will get those results. And like Katie said, it takes about 30 to 45 minutes to take your assessment. Um, if you're working with a coach, they can definitely help you walk through those top five, understand them very well. And then of course, part of turning them into a strength, right? Because if they're a talent, like we said, just because they're a talent doesn't mean you're using them right or using them well or using them at the right times. Um, you need to be able to get to know each of them because so many of them um, are like wearing rose colored glasses. You don't even realize that they're a strength. You're just living in default. You're kind of living accidentally and you're using these strengths all the time. And um, Katie, I'm going to ask you this here in just a second, but I, I often see, especially for a lot of women, um, especially Christian women with empathy, um, is su- there's a lot of strengths that are really strong, but I find that for empathy, that's one of those that for a lot of people are wearing rose colored glasses and it's just running 24 seven. They're making almost every decision using that one strength. And like you said, there's other strengths that need to be at play that you're really good at. And it's like, you're running that race with one leg, trying to do it on empathy all the time and wondering why you're exhausted or tripping on yourself literally by the end of the day. (laughs) And so part of working with a coach is to not just understand and see your top five, but then to learn how to start using them. And like Katie was saying, um, Gallup has this wonderful equation of talent plus skill plus knowledge equals strength. And so you have to learn some new things. You have to practice using your strengths. And But the only way to do that is for you to see them and see them in your everyday life so that you can become 
um, an expert, kind of that Michael Phelps Olympic version of yourself because you've honed and channeled them. And so, um, Katie, one of the things I was going to ask you is the role of self-control in your strengths. And this is one of those things that I bring up a lot with people is that, um, yes, the Boundaries book is one of the number one books I recommend people to read um, when they're starting to develop their strengths, especially if they have relationship building type of strengths, because we need to learn how to set boundaries with ourselves and other people or using that empathy. We're going to be constantly making decisions for other people on how they feel. And we need to learn good, healthy boundaries of where should I even stop myself from serving someone else to the point of exhaustion for me, right? So um, I often tell people, part of learning to use our strengths and using them at the right times and using them at that near perfect level involves some level of self-control. So what are your thoughts on that? Huge level. And so I laugh because I'm like a volume turned up all the way sort of girl. And it's one of those things that I struggle with and pray for every day because, you know, it's just how I was wired, you know, so I could live my whole life fighting that. Or you can just, you know, set up different things in your life to help you with that if that's if that's the issue. But, you know, what really helped me and I think helps a lot of my clients is imagining my strengths kind of like, like picture a mixing board, you know, like old school DJ mixing board, right? And so you have all these different strengths at your disposal that you can use. Um, if you turn one of them all the way up, like you can't hear it because it's so loud that everyone, everyone, and even everyone around you tunes out because it is just too much, right? And then if you have other strengths that are, you know, turned all the way down, no one's hearing from them, no one's benefiting, you're not helpful. And so we want to work on kind of mixing all those to that like middle level. So that volume dial is right there in the middle where you're using them, but you don't you're not overly relying on them. So, you know, just kind of picture that. And for me, it's always kind of like that. So if I I'm love out, that, yeah, I have to steal that analogy. <laughs> yeah, please do because it's so helpful. And it's nice because it can become like a fun metaphor that removes a lot of feelings. So even like when I'm with my husband and like, I'm trying to run a million miles an hour, he can just be like activator. Turn it down. Turn it down, Katie. Turn it down. Because then it's like, okay, like, because he's acknowledging something that's beautiful and wonderful in me, you know, so he's not doing it hurtfully. But, um, you know, it's just one of the, it's a nice code word to like remind both of us that it's my strength, but that it needs to come down just a little bit. You know, and these top five, for those that are listening, these top five, um, they're not like, this is not like your average assessment where it's like your golden retriever and then like, just figure out how to be a golden retriever, I guess more. This is really like you get your top five and then these, it's very organic. It's always moving your top five, your top 10 even are always moving. And depending on what situation you're in, let's say you have empathy in your top five um, if you're around somebody who's telling a really sad story, that empathy is going to, like you said on the mixing board, it's going to go way up, right? Because you are right there in the moment valuing the feelings of that person. And I love people with a talent for empathy because I call them my criers. <laughs> like as soon as somebody tells that sad story, they're so in that person's story, they're crying. And what a gift that is actually to that other person. They don't have to question whether or not you get them or whether or not you're paying attention, like just in the fact that you are present and valuing their emotions, it's an incredible gift that you're giving them. Mm -hmm. But you're right. Like if you're going into every situation bawling, 
right? Because you saw a, a dog that doesn't know where he's going next. And then you're like suddenly feeling all these dogs' feelings of feeling lonely. Like that's not helping you take care of your kids in that moment, right? I'm giving you, that's an extreme example. No. <laughs> not a good metaphor, but no. the point is really paying attention to how something else can be leveraged instead. Let's say you do have a chief or activator that says, you know what? I have some things I need to get done. I'm going to pull that empathy down. I'm going to leverage something else instead. And that takes a great amount of self-control. Exactly. On that same point. So professional aspect, I work with someone who's really high on empathy. Um, Their boss and supervisor would have been probably like 34 in it. They were a very high activator achiever, right? So they were understanding each other. So every time they had an an interaction, the subordinate would start crying because she was so, (laughs) you know, emotion behind it. Supervisor didn't understand. So it was this huge disconnect. And once like we could talk in strengths-based language to both of them that, you know, this isn't her being weak. This is her, you know, that's how she shows her caring. It's not him being cold. It's that oh, yes. he sees it differently. And so it's, it's professionally as well as personally. It's, it's one of those, that's what another thing, like you mentioned, what we love about it is it crosses all those boundaries because it's not like I turn on my achiever when I sit down at my computer and start working. It's no, I'm a mom achiever. I'm a wife achiever. I'm a professional achiever. And if I'm only using it professionally, then I'm doing a disservice to my kids and my husband because I'm not showing them all of me. So, you know, I would love to hear, you know, you do more on that side. So I'd love to hear just more on how you can leverage it that way. Oh, I, you know, not to pick on all of our empathy people, because (laughs) I have lots of strengths that are my favorite, if you will. Um, there's some that are my, and I'm going to ask you in a a minute what your favorites are. Um, Mm -hmm. which are the ones that really stand out that you really enjoy Mm -hmm. working with? Um, but from a marriage perspective, one of the biggest things that I'm seeing is that you often have a one spouse that does have empathy, at least in their top 10, if not their top five, and the other spouse that doesn't. And for those of you who are listening that might think that that might be you, I have empathy number eight, and my husband has empathy, hear this, number 34. (laughs) Yes, and he's a chaplain. And I use this as an example all the time because we laugh about it all the time. And I'm going to explain what that actually looks like because it doesn't mean, like you were saying, like once you have that better understanding, it brings everybody together. Mm -hmm. Because what I hear from couples in, in a similar situation where they're like, well, my husband doesn't have empathy in their top five. And I, yes, because I feel like he's cold. And I feel like when I'm crying or when I'm trying to tell him to pay attention to what the kids are saying, or we need to plan this vacation around their feelings and what they think he's very logical and he's not taking that into account. And so there's all this conflict Mm -hmm. and what I, same, same scenario of what you're talking about professionally to be able to help a couple see that it's not that they don't have compassion. My husband has great compassion. He loves all of us. He loves the kids. He, he can be thoughtful of the kids. Mm-hmm. The difference is, is that it's, it takes an immense amount of work for him to put himself in their shoes and feel their feelings. Mm-hmm. He can hear their feelings and take them into account. But for him, his strength is strategy. His strength is ideation. So when we planned a family vacation, we were talking about Disney world and this was our chance to take our boys to Florida. And of course they had been waiting for Legoland since they were born. And so I was like, we cannot go to Florida without going to Legoland. We will destroy them. We have to consider their feelings. 
But when he was looking at all the plans, logistically, it was not making sense. Financially, it wasn't making sense. There was, and it wasn't that he didn't have compassion, but he didn't need to feel their feelings in order to take that into account when his strength of strategy was giving us something else to think about that was just as important. Mm -hmm. And so what I see for couples is this idea that he doesn't care, that he's not thoughtful. Mm -hmm. And that's not necessarily true. I think just sometimes when we have a strength for empathy, and it's probably running us 24 seven, it's turned all the way up on that mixing board, like you said, mm -hmm. that we can't see anything else. We can't hear anything else because in our mind, with it turned all the way up, feelings is the most important thing on the table. When that's not necessarily true, there are other things to take into account. It's how do we kind of bring them back to middle, help mm -hmm. them both have kind of a, a vote or a voice at the table if you will. And then how do we actually communicate better that way? I will tell you that for that vacation, we all eventually came back around to Legoland was not the best idea. Mm -hmm. And strategically he was right. It didn't make sense. But in the end, if we also learned how to talk to the boys and consider their feelings, we could articulate that strategy in a way that got them on board at the same time. Mm -hmm. Oh, exactly. Like you said, then it's leveraging both people's strengths. It's not that one person should lose or one person should win is both of you need to find a way to use your strengths. And to do that, you have to communicate, like we said, and that's where it's really beneficial for you to take the time to understand who you are first. Like, yes. I would love for you to jump in and do a strength state right away. But I honestly think that you need to work on yourself for a couple months so you can clearly communicate to your spouse, you know, what your strengths are, how you'd like them to be used and how you can use them for them. You know, next time on the Life Giver Podcast. Please, if you hear one thing, please hear that, is that the way you were made was uniquely made, crafted, designed. And yes, it takes work. And yes, it takes a little bit of self-control and refinement. But it is who you are. When you, yeah, when you try to change it or you try to focus it, then you're doing a disservice to your creator and to you because you're trying to change the thing that he made. That was so beautiful. Thanks for listening to the Life Giver Podcast. If you're enjoying these conversations as being free of advertising or sponsorship, please help me by spreading the word to other military and first responder families that might benefit from the show. If you'd like to find out more about me or Life Giver, you can find more information at www.coreyweathers.com or life-giver.org.